Welcome to Trail Manners, the podcast so dedicated to mountain trails and running that they broadcast out of a 78 Volkswagen bus in the mountains. Who does that? Eric and Joel are your hosts and will bring you the trail life as you may have not heard it before. You hear about everything from gear reviews, nutrition to keep you upright and moving forward, and they'll even bring guests into the bus for conversations that you won't hear anywhere else. It's time for some running adventures on a higher elevation. The old 78 Volkswagen bus is fired up and headed to the mountains. Here are your hosts for Trail Manners, proudly representing the 801 with their passion and love for the trails, Eric Manning and Joel Hatch. Welcome to the Trail Manners Podcast, episode number 46, again with Outdoor Retailers Show. This time we've been invited to the Ultra Spire house to talk to their athletes, so we're going to bring on two at a time, something new for us here at Trail Manners. We're going to be talking with Bree Lambert and Mr. Ian Sharman. So if this is your first time listening, then thanks for coming. The Trail Manners Podcast is produced every week for your enjoyment, and show notes are found at trailmanners.com. Come back often, and please feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed or iTunes. You can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Trail Manners. All links are in the show notes. Now let's get after it. All right, welcome back to another special episode of the Trail Manners podcast. We are still at Outdoor Retailers, but we're in a different location now. Yeah. We're in Sandy, Utah. Yeah, we are. At the Ultra Spire House. Team House. Team house. That's team what we're house. calling it. So we've got a slew of guests sitting in front. I'm a little intimidated. I'm not going to lie. How about a gaggle? <laughs> a gaggle. I like a gaggle. So is that what you call a bunch of ultra runners? Is a gaggle? I think it's a herd. It's no, running. I think with this group, that that then implies yeah. they're slow. We can't do that. That's us. Yeah, it is us. So why don't you go ahead and uh, tell everybody who we got? Okay. So initially, right now, we have Bree Lambert. She's sitting to my left. We also have to my right Ian Sharman. Um, then on the next show, we will have Jason Poole, um, and I'm sorry, what was your name again? Uh, <laughs> Charles. Charles, Charles the, the, our, our in-house scientist is here as well. I wish we'd have had that earlier talk on tape. Yeah, that was pretty good. And then we might be able to get Bryce on. We'll see. Yeah, he's being shy. He is being shy. Lingering in the background. Yeah, totally being stocky. Um, so it's been a big day for us. I feel, I feel like we've been hustling all day. Yeah, this will be a and fun show. And it's been really nice to come down here and sit in this family environment and be really intimate with people. That's nice. And everybody just seemed to run away. There, there's a whole bunch of other people in the house. And as soon as the microphones come out, they left. Scaredy cats. That's right. Yeah. So let everybody go around. We'll, we'll start the show. Bree, you'll be our first up to, to talk here. Okay. So give us a little background. Um, quick you know, background. Quick background. Where are you from? Um, so I live in the Bay Area. I live in the South Bay Area, so near the Silicon Valley. And um, let's see, originally from Southern California, moved right. to Bay Area about 25 years ago, oh. and uh, have been ultra running for um, just over a decade. And then prior to that, I was an extra triathlete. And then before that, just dabbled in various, you know, road races, right. cycle, cycling races. So just a big time mover. A mover, yep. mover and a shaker. Yep. But you're also a personal trainer. Yep. Yeah. So as an occupation, I'm a performance coach and a personal trainer. So okay. I uh, work with Silicon Valley executives and right. then I also coach um, endurance athletes. So multi-sport and, you know, runners of various distances okay. and different levels. All right. And so then over to our right, we have Ian Sharman. Hello. So, Ian, tell us a little bit about your background, how you came into running, and specifically ultra running. 
<coughs> exactly the same as Brie. Uh, that's all it is. Yeah, Southern, <laughs> Southern, <laughs> Southern oh, California. Yeah. Southern California. I, actually, there accent. is a little bit of overlap there. <laughs> yes. I did live in, uh, in near Silicon Valley for okay. a little bit. So I, <coughs> I'm 35, but I've been in the US for about six years. All right. I uh, come from the UK originally. Right. And um, yeah, I got into ultra running about 10 years ago, similar to Bree. Right. And uh, I actually got into all running at all uh, at that point because oh. uh, I didn't used to be a runner. Uh, I used to play other sports, but then I just got into doing a race in the Sahara Desert and it got me hooked on marathons and ultras. And so I've been doing them ever since. Right on. Uh, and what I do for a living is I'm a, a coach at my own business called Charmin Ultra. Right. And I've got a few other coaches who work uh, with me as well. But right. unlike Brie, uh, all of my clients are online. So it's via Skype. Yeah. Uh, and I have people all over the world. Yeah. Uh, and also I organize the uh, <coughs> Ultra US Skyrunner series. So right. I've been doing that for a couple of years. And the, uh, the second year? It's the third year now. Se okay. Second year you've been doing it, right? No, it's only been me. I, oh, I started okay. it. So I was the founder of it. Uh, I'm on the board for Skyrunning Internationally as well. Right. Okay. That's great. Fantastic. So, Bree, how'd you get into ultra running? Was it that natural transition from oh, Xterra? That's a great story. Ooh, so, I like I was, so I was um, my third year uh, racing Xterra. Right. And had been to two national championships and a world championship. And was um, heading into my fourth season mm -hmm. and basically was out on a training run with a good friend of mine um, in my backyard, so to speak, in Los Gatos and um, basically took a significant fall on my mountain bike. Mm -hmm. Oh, are you checking something? Okay. And, and so uh, basically ended up getting airlifted off a mountain and uh, broke my pelvis, broken collarbone, and significant lacerations to the left side of my body. Yeah, that's not good. And was basically told at that point that I wasn't going to be able to do any sort of distance racing, um, that, you know, my orthopedist told me that, you know, it would take about a year of rehabilitation and that I would be lucky if I could ever do any sort of, you know, significant endurance racing period at right. all. So, like, to the point where, you know, he said, basically you're going to have to either swim or stay on a bike right. or, you know, ride a bike very easily, very carefully mm. and, um, would never be able to really run distance again. So, and, and so I sought to prove him wrong. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. So I, just my, I was going there with my that. understanding and my, my understanding of the human body and, um, its ability to heal and rehabilitate and just knowing about mechanics, right. um, and human anatomy. I just was determined to come back and prove them, prove the doctors wrong. And so that's exactly what I did. I think and we get that <laughs> a lot, and especially our kind of realm. So mm -hmm. we talked with uh, Canis from Park City Running Company. And I don't know if you, you know his story or not, but yeah. he was in California yep. on his motorcycle, and he was going down the road, and something fell off the back of a truck. And it was a, a steel rod, and it went through his knee and tore his knee up. And the doctor mm -hmm. said the same thing to him. You're never going to be able to run again. Right. And come hell or high water, here he is, you know, running Western states, coming in there in 24 hours. I think we find out a lot within yeah. our our realm of It's almost like people. a competitiveness with yourself, proving not right. just doubters, but proving what you can do, right? Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, and just your understanding of just knowing who you are and what you're capable of doing and what the body is capable of doing, you know? Right. And so I think just being a healthy individual and, and just taking the time to really condition myself and strengthen my body and just taking it in baby steps, um, you know, a friend of mine said, Hey, you know, you should, you should try a 50 K race. 
you know, and a year later, and I said, oh, okay, that sounds pretty interesting. <laughs> you know, I, it's not a mountain bike, so it should be a lot safe, a lot safer. So, right. um, so I ended up running the Woodside 50K, and that was it. And I was hooked. no turning back, right? No turning back. I'm like, this is my sport. Right on. So, yeah. So did you go good. So, you know, one of the things that Eric and I have to do before we interview people is we have to do, we, we like to call it stalking. Yeah. So we'll, stalking. we'll go on to, you know, social media. We'll go into ultra signed up to see who we're talking to, what the results are. And it, you're kind of a badass. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, yeah. Yeah, you I've are. been called that, actually. <laughs> more, <laughs> yeah. more than once, yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. Because when yeah. I remember we were, we were talking with Tina over here, and Tina was like, well, you guys need to interview Bree. And I'm like, all right. So I start checking her results. I'm like, Eric, she's legit. Yeah. She's like one of all this stuff. And you know yeah. what? She is our age, too. And she's <laughs> crushing it. I know, right? Yeah, I'm an old lady. <laughs> no, I did not say that. We say that because people okay. come on the show I, yeah. and give us grief, yeah. right? And it's yeah. like, ah, you little punk. You know? <laughs> yeah. You know who we're talking to. But it is. It's yeah. y- You have a... I don't know, your results speak for themselves. And, exactly. and, and for where you've come from, like you said, the injury, mm-hmm. not a lot of people would even attempt to do that. I mean, right. I'd say a lot, but like we said, I mean, everybody in the room and the, the community itself, but no one's run a 50K, no one's run a 50 mile. You have to get there, so you got to push your body, see what it's capable of. And so doing what you did, I mean, that's kind of exactly the progression of it. You right. know, it's like, well, can I push that far? Yeah, I can. I know right. how I feel or know what I can do. Yeah, and I think that's really when I work with clients that's it's that mindset that I take into my coaching them is just basically saying, listen, I know what it feels like to be broken. I know right. what it feels like to have to overcome and to really work through injury, you know, and I know what the body's capable of doing. And so when you tell me it hurts and that, you know, you don't like what you're doing, you don't like how you feel, I get it. Yeah. But you know what? If you really want it bad enough, you can push through it and right. you can you can do whatever it is that you're you know, you have in mind, whatever goal it is that you're setting for yourself. And so, yeah. And you're, and Ian and, and yourself, you're both coach, you do coaching. Mm-hmm. And so that, you know, you guys have great results, racing and, you know, great experiences. But when you coach, the experiences your athletes get, you know, whether it's a, say I want a podium finish or maybe it's just I want to finish or maybe mm-hmm. it's a time goal. When they hit that, that's got to be pretty gratifying for you guys. So. Well, it's right? great because we can yeah. only race so many times a year, but that's we right. can have we can kind of live things vicariously through all these other people as well. Right. And I can only do my first ultra once. Yeah. But I can have other people doing their first ultra and going through all those same emotions. Right. And all that excitement of, of realizing what their body is capable of. Because mm-hmm. like kind of what we were talking about there with the, uh, the fact that if you can get injured, you can come back from things and... It, when people realize what their body's capable of, it's always a surprise, I think, at first. And then they start to go, oh, wow, well, what can I do next? Yeah. And that's a lot of fun to see people getting to that stage. And I think pretty much every ultra runner has to go through that stage right. because otherwise you never finish your first race, basically. Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, so when you coach the athletes, do what, what's your percentage? Like your athletes that come to you for coaching, are they new? Are they just people? It's like, hey, I've been doing it for a while, but I want to improve. I know it's there, but I need structure. I mean, what do you do? Both types of athletes? Yeah, you know, I actually coach athletes of all levels. So, right. and I, and frankly, I really enjoy the um, the beginner athlete. You know, who has no no template, so to speak, or no no bad habits. They just are fresh so and clean slate. Exactly, right? exactly. And they just, you know, they have this open mind, and they just want me to work with them. And I mm-hmm. basically assess them and then determine, okay, you know. Where are your strengths? Where is it that we need to do some work? And then we just progress from there. So, yeah. 
And, and my clientele is maybe a, a little bit more um, <coughs> of a range, but I, I say most people who come to me, it's about either doing their first attempt at a new distance mm -hmm. or they're trying to get a little bit faster at it. So most people, it is very much your kind of mid or backpacker who is wanting to... Uh, to, to improve right but then I also have a, a handful of people um, all women who I coach who are elite as well right because I, I couldn't really coach elite men because I'm competing against them and it's <laughs> it'd be a little bit weird you know giving them advice if this is how you beat me yes, yeah, right. exactly. it, there's a little bit of a secrets. conflict of interest there but mm -hmm. um, I'd say it's, it's probably actually more enjoyable having that beginner process where they've mm -hmm. maybe done a marathon and not much else right and then going into to everything bigger and and just opening their eyes to all of that right but it's also a lot of fun when you get someone who just nails it and they get a huge win right and you're so proud of them but, but you know you, they can do it yeah and a lot of the coaching is not just about these are the workouts you do it's about the mental side of it and giving them the, the belief mm -hmm. and the the tactics to be able to do that and to, to realize their potential right I think exactly. you know one of the things that we've talked about and we talked about really when we started the podcast and Scott Jaime brought this up he says one of the things that I always want to challenge myself is to see what my potential is. Your and genetic we, potential. We've talked about yeah. that quite a bit today. Yeah. And that, that keeps coming up in almost every one of our interviews. Well, Jeff, it's, Jeff it's Brown true. brought it up. Yeah, it's true because you, you push so far. I mean, no one's ever, you know, have to run your first 5K, have to yeah. run your first. So everything's a first. And then you get that, the personality of, well, I got a taste of it. Can I go faster? Can I go longer? Can right. I go stronger? Can I do a more difficult course? Right. And then it's a, we, me and Joel say we're bad influences on people because we have people, you know, we don't coach or anything, but we have friends that we run with and like, yeah, we'd never do a hundred. And then a year and a half later, like, hey, you want to pace me? You know? <laughs> so, but it's that, it's that That's kind of true. that mentality. And I could imagine with you guys coaching, you deal with a lot of that type of mentality. Right. So sometimes it's actually having yeah. to hold people back and say, okay, True. I know you liked your first 50K, but that doesn't mean you have to do your first 100 miler next week. Exactly. Right. Let's, let's yeah, give it a bit of time. Let's enjoy all the stuff in between and, mm -hmm. and take some steps to get there so that you can enjoy the 100 miler as right. well. Mm -hmm. But then again, there's kind of two different ways you can approach that, which is either to build up to it in a more methodical way. Right. Or some people just want to do stuff and go, I'm not sure if I can finish it. Mm -hmm. And so they want to take on a bigger challenge than they think they can. Mm -hmm. and, and both of those are equally valid. Um, I, I prefer to help people do it in a, a slightly more gradual build-up. But if they say, I just really want to try something that I don't think I can do, um, then we work out how, what we need to physically do for it. But mainly with that, it's going to be what they mentally need to do because that's usually the weakest link, mm -hmm. especially if they're doing something super hardcore compared to what they've ever done before. Kind of out of their comfort zone more than exactly, anything. Exactly, yeah. Because there is mm -hmm. that unknown. I imagine with your experience, both of your experience, you know, when someone comes to you, is there like that interview process? So if you have a new client that comes to you, is it kind of that feeling process? Okay, what are you looking for? This mm -hmm. is what I can do. I'm not saying you ever have to turn people away, but if you come across people It's a goodness that, of fit. Yeah, like yeah. the That's fit after, yeah, right? Absolutely. So I mean, you have to get yeah. to know them as much as possible right, so yeah. that you can yeah. work out what they're wanting. You know, are they wanting mm -hmm. to get faster? They want to do something longer? Are they wanting to do loads of races or one particular one really well? So working out what drives them and motivates them is a large part of it. And occasionally I have to turn someone away because I say, I don't think that's that's something I can help you with, or I think it would be better for you to have someone in person right. helping you. So particularly if mm -hmm. it's maybe someone who's completely new to running, and they're saying, I want to st I've, I've done one run in my life. It was last week. It hurt. Now I want to coach. <laughs> for that kind of person, I'll usually say it helps to have someone physically there in right. person with you, like a, a personal trainer in a gym, yeah. right. just to get past those early stages, because you do need someone mm -hmm. monitoring a little bit more. Mm -hmm. And that's why most people I work with have done at least a marathon, typically. Right. Okay. So do you take 
on do, do you have a full client load right now you, you yourself personally I, I do uh, cover my coaches could take on a couple more people All but right, so that's we're pretty going. much at the max at the moment but that's it's always great. there's always turnover there that sure. you know every month there'll be someone who finishes and someone else who starts so do you find that you're going to be much more busy say late fall early winter Busiest time is usually December and January because that's when people are looking at their races for next year. Right, and that's up. when all the lotteries are. So that's someone right. gets into Hard Rock <laughs> or they get yeah. into that's Western right. States and they Your go, phone ah, is ringing what do I do now? Phone, right? yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's great. That's all. So do you remember when he first came on the scene? I do. Yeah. What race was that? I don't remember the race. but was, I remember It was in Texas. Oh, yeah, Rocky Raccoon. That's right. Yeah. He ran kind of fast, yeah. oh, didn't he? I remember. Okay, now, now it's coming <laughs> back right, to me. Right. I'm old. Remember that, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, everybody teases me. But, yeah, I mean, it was. And, you know, I was friends with Nick Clark, and, you know, there's some, you know, connection there. Um, but, yeah, that was ridiculous. Remember, so I, I'm not sure if Powell's down there covering or not, but all of a sudden, across Twitter, here comes <laughs> this result. And you're like, that can't be right. That's not right. You're like, that's not right. Typo. Yeah, exactly. That can't be right. And then... He he's had this longevity where he keeps running fast, consistently, especially at this little race out there in California. Yeah, the little race. Did some little race out there. What is? What, how can you do that? Right. I would especially say now because you're a busy guy. Well, that's actually helpful. I think. It, you think well, so? One thing that I think sometimes is detrimental for a lot of people when they get a lot of good results is they then kind of go pro. So they right. they get sponsors and they quit their job, and yeah. suddenly they've got more time available and they overtrain. They run more. And they race more as well, because yeah. yeah, suddenly a lot that. more of it's funded. Yeah. So I've never really gone to that stage where I suddenly was doing a lot more. Right. I was, I was doing quite a lot always since I got into running, like well, yeah. a lot of races every year. But I think it's mainly that my mileage isn't that high, and that I'm very so aware you, so of what... So what do you mean that by that? Like I would say like mileage, typically what? about 60 or 70 miles a week. Oh, Which is not a low sweet, number, that's a sweet spot. but no, it, it it's not a super high number. A right. professional marathoner might be 140 miles well, a week. that's a professional marathoner. They, yeah. they don't... You would think that they would know better. But to get to the right? top level, I think, for track and marathon, where yeah. it's tiny, tiny differences it in is. speed. While ultras, it's not tiny differences in speed. It's, it's like, can you avoid being sick? Exactly. Can you, a lot of other things that are not just physical fitness. Right. But, okay, so this is getting, kind of getting off topic. So when you're putting in that much mileage every week for, say, several years, right, because that's kind of like their lifespan, you look at those guys when they're done, they're wrecked. Physically, mentally, it takes them years to recover. Who's the Who's the kid that from America that was really good and then he just went Ooh, off? Ryan Hall. Yeah, Ryan Hall. Yeah. Have you seen a picture of him lately? Oh, he's huge now. Yeah. He's been working huge. out. Yeah, and he says he yeah. feels fantastic for the first time in years, mm -hmm. right? And I think that you're going to see, especially well, especially in what you know our reference point is for ultra runners. But you might start seeing a little bit more of that on that side as well. I think what we'll mainly see is that as things get more competitive, it'll go more to that marathon format where people do two big races a year, not yeah. six big races yeah. a That's year. Who is that? Joe, Joe Wuhan? Isn't he really big on that? Oh, Joe right? Yuhan. Yeah, Joe Yuhan yeah. yeah. says that right now. He's like, listen, if you do like 1-100, you need to take like two months off, right, before you even think about coming back and racing hard. And I don't take that much time off, but I'm very much reacting to how my body feels. So right. If it feels a little bit more tired, I'll, you know, I might have something planned and that's the only day of that week that I can right. fit in that long run. But if I can tell that my body needs recovery, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to ask, what is the purpose of the run right. in that case to, to get some endurance training? Right. Am I going to actually get that benefit or do I not feel good enough to do that? Right. And I'll change things based on that. And I, that, I think, is the simplest thing 
that is the difference between being sustainable for many years right. and burning out in a very short space well, of time. Well, because we, we've talked about that a lot is for years there was, you know, I'll just throw some, like Carl Meltzer's and Jurek's and, you know, guys that would do it consistently for over a long period of time. Right. And then you started seeing some younger people coming in and they'd have like one just killer race and you never hear of them again. Same again. Or they're yeah. injured or adrenal fatigues or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever else that is. I mean... I mean, what do you think the difference is with that? It, we've talked to people, so, well, I have to sign up for races the first year, and so it's not like I can run 100, and then well, if I feel good, I'll race this one. It's like, i got to sign up anyway. Right. So how do you approach How do you approach some, your race schedule? So you personally, to, how do you approach that? And then how is, is there a difference between that and how you're coaching people? There's a little bit of a difference, because I know that a lot of races, I can even if they're full, I can sometimes get into anyway, so I well, can, yeah. that gives me a bit more flexibility, but something like right. Western States, if you want to do that, and you've got a, a guaranteed entry, you still have to enter at the same time, back right. in December, yep. six and a half months before the actual race, so you're right. committing a long time in advance. Right, so you know what you're going to peak so, for. So yeah, I mean, I'll have an idea each season, but I'll also be flexible with that, so right. if it's stuff that I've booked a load of travel, I'm probably still going to go to the travel no matter what, but right. if things don't quite feel right, I, I can back off and just say... I'm not going to race this. Right. Or I'm not going to run this even. Um, and, and I think that is really the, the fundamental difference. That having lower mileage, because you don't need to have 150 miles a week. Right. That could maybe help for a short period and get you some great benefits. Right. But it's so high risk. Right. You're much more likely to get injured or burnt out. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I, I, don't, I think for the incremental benefits you get of that, helps maybe more for the shorter distance stuff where it is more about pure physical fitness. Right. Maybe a bit less help for, for the longer distances. Mm-hmm. Um, but then in terms of someone else choosing races for the season, usually um, it's if someone comes to me and says, I've got these 10 races that I'm going to do, I'll say, okay, what's <laughs> actually important to you? Right. Which ones do you really want to do? Mm-hmm. And then we'll see what happens and how you're feeling for the other ones. Right. And that's usually a good way to do it because there's no reason that you can't do some of the other ones at a slightly lower intensity. Like a C-level race, Yeah, right? exactly. Mm-hmm. But, and again, it depends on the personality that everyone's a bit different. Some people, if they turn up, they might say they're going to take it easy and they go, oh, I kind of got involved in they racing halfway up, through right? and I ended up hammering it. Yeah. So those kind of people, I say, all races are races. <laughs> There's right. no C races for you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it, it's a lot about knowing the individual and a lot about keeping some flexibility in there as well. Right. Yeah. That's great. So how about with, with your side of things? I mean, kind of the same questions to yeah. you on far as your schedule. How do you set your schedule as far as races go? Yeah, and you know, it's real clients? similar to Ian's actually. So, I mean, it's, you know, I basically um, step back at the end of the year and just kind of think about, okay, you know, how did this season go and determine what do I want to do next year? Do I want to do the same races or do I want to select a few new ones? Um, I don't travel um, as often out of the state. Um, I'm a mom. So I really try to build my schedule around my daughter's right. schedule and try to be available to, to her as much as possible. So, um, so I've been pretty limited in terms of what I can do um, and in terms of travel. But I think now that she's a little older, I can, you know, step out a little more. But um, so I tend to do more local races. And uh, so living in the Bay Area, there's some <laughs> incredible, incredible races in right, California yeah. that happen. You know, Lake Sonoma, we've got AR50, we've got, you know, Western States. Right. And so there's just a, a boatload of, of events that I get to choose from. But, um, you know, I just sit down and determine what are those races that I, I feel are important to me and that really um, meet my strengths. You know, I'm not somebody who will just go and run, you know, a race because it sounds like a good race to do. I mean, I really study the profile. I determine, is it a profile that really is going to speak to my strengths as a runner and then select based on that. But um, I generally do 100 
100 a year mm -hmm. and then um, basically pick smaller distance races leading up to that right. and use those races as a buildup. So it's like a stepwise thing Yeah, for exactly. You. And yeah. that's really the same approach that I um, generally recommend that my athletes take. So what, what's your when you talk about what you're more adapted to or what you like? What what type of race do you like? Do you like? Um, I like, like mountain races. Uh -huh. Yeah, so I favor more uh, of those events that have you know more elevation, and um, I love Tahoe. So I've run Tahoe Rim 100 four times, um, and I've done the 50 several times. So you know I like to get out and you know experience significant climbing where there's a nice view. Um, so yeah. I did Leadville last year. That was actually uh, an awesome event for me. You know, it's first time out there, so it was cool. How'd the altitude affect you? Um, you know, it wasn't bad. It, actually, I was surprised. It, it it was pretty good. Your stomach yeah, held up pretty I, good. Yeah, yeah. Oh, good. I tend to, surprisingly enough, I, for somebody who's a flatlander, I tend to do pretty well at at uh, in altitude. But you can train so. like you say a flatlander, but you can adjust your training knowing what yes. you do and what you have to kind of I want to say match a Leadville course you can't match the altitude but just the course itself the yes. climb the, mm -hmm. the, the, exactly know, yeah so like do that. some threshold training I can you know travel to Tahoe and get out on some you know some area, big long some areas. climbs exactly right yes so I can mimic some of the training that's necessary hmm. so what uh going forward is there some some race you haven't done yet that you want to get to like a bucket type list race yeah. or well you know this year I was hoping to uh to come out here to compete in the bear but because of some personal stuff um, mm. I'm gonna have to put that on the back burner but now, uh, we can speak from experience year. that is like one of the prettiest courses <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've, I've heard I've heard so um you know would love to do hard rock at some yeah. point and um, definitely want to check out Wasatch. Yeah. So, so those are two that are on my list. Well, those are all, I mean, they're okay. Hard Rock, but Bear, Wasatch, great yeah. courses, mm -hmm. and of course, Hard Rock, everybody yeah. wants to. Everybody wants to do that, It's right? pretty, no matter yeah. what, right? <laughs> I mean, it's yeah. a good day. And it's some two days, maybe. And Three the fact days. that we can't yeah. get in makes us want to do it even more. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, really, exactly. Right? It does. Right, it's, right. it's crazy. So, Ian, you've been around for a while. What's next for you? Uh, Leadville's my next one, so okay. that's a couple of weeks away, and it'll be my fourth time going back there. And yeah. I, I love that race because I, I like stuff that is a little bit—it's got runnable stuff right. as well as mountains. Yeah. Uh, I also like just mountains. I like just runnable, but I like mixing them up. And Leadville has like 50-50 right. uh, mm -hmm. of, of that. So, so how do you, does the altitude affect you? I find I adapt pretty well, but I've got to go there for a week or two in advance. Okay. Um, so where I live in Oregon is about three and a half thousand feet. Right. Uh, and in the past, I lived at zero feet in the Bay Area going right. there. So um, I, I wouldn't say that I've got some uh, special advantage there, but I, I maybe adapt a little bit quicker than the average person. So right. it doesn't tend to cause too much of an issue for me. I mean, it slows everyone down. doesn't matter oh, if yeah. you've lived there your whole life. It'll still slow you down to run at 10,000 feet. Exactly. Yeah. So is there anything that you want to do that you haven't done yet as far as races go or even adventure runs? There's so much. The, oh, the problem is that okay. every, almost every day I find out about a new thing. <laughs> yeah. So the list only ever gets longer. Okay, give me your top three. Uh, definitely Hard Rock okay. at some point, but no rush, because I, I right. like Western States, and they're really close yeah. together. Yeah. And I don't want to do the Jeff Browning thing with them both together. No? That's too close. I've, I've, <laughs> I've done stuff like that before, and I know how horrible the second yeah. bit is. Yeah. So <laughs> he, he I'd rather go good. to Hard Rock and, and have the full experience there right. with mm -hmm. that being the focus. Uh, I'd like to do UTMB at okay. some point. Um, Really, do, almost every hundred miler in the U.S. I, I, there's like 130 of them, I think, okay. at the moment. That's crazy. And I look through the list and go, "Yep, 
Virtually all of those I'd like Virtually to. all of those. So I'm clearly not going to get round to all so of them. So what about like an adventure run? Is there anything out there you just want to go like, oh, that Experience. would be so cool to go do? I, I live next to a, a whole load of mountains in the Cascades, and, yeah. and there's quite a few runs you can do around those. So yeah. this uh, kind of fall, I'll be doing a few things like going around Mount Hood. I've done it a couple of times. Right. That's about 40 miles, whole load of climbing in that, and yeah. beautiful scenery. Right. Um, I, I'd also like to go around the Three Sisters, which is about a 50-mile route. Okay. Um, so things like that that are close to home. Right. I'm going to do Grand Canyon rim to rim to rim. I've done That's it once fun. before, but but none of these are FKTs or right. Yeah. But super just fast. like I like the idea of doing exploring. them in a more relaxed way and actually having a look. Right. Uh, and definitely the John Muir Trail. I'd love oh. to do that at some point. Right. But again, not the speed thing because uh, you no. enjoy two hours of it and then be miserable for three days. So you want you want to take in the experience. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, I want to see yeah. it because I know how beautiful yeah. the bits of it that I've seen in photos and I've been to Mount Whitney and seen that part of it. Mm -hmm. So I actually want to be able to go along it and you know jog and enjoy it and maybe take a week rather than three days so that there's enough time to sleep, for example, yeah. rather, <laughs> rather than thing. just be trying to <laughs> zombie-like keep moving. Right. So one of the questions we've been asking people today and just recently, and the reason we're asking you to is because you've been around the, the sport long enough and see the explosion that's happened over the last couple of years of new people coming into the sport. Do you think that we are going to be sustainable in our roots, or do you see the, the sport going in a less than desirable direction? Shall I start there? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think that at some point it will get to a kind of critical mass and, right. and maybe lose some of its feeling, but mm -hmm. so many of the races are capped so it's not like because it's more popular now you have 4,000 people doing Western True. States. It's still the same number that was doing it 20 years ago. Right. So um, it just means it's harder to get into races. Right. right. So everything, like each year another race joins the mm -hmm. lottery system because oh, yeah. they're selling out. Right. Mm -hmm. So I, I think that the whole ethos behind it is not really changing that okay. noticeably to me. I mean, people come into it maybe with more of a focus on win or go bust. And, and I think we saw that at Western States with Sage and Jim Walmsley, who, right. who both were there to break the course record. Right. Mm -hmm. They weren't there to enjoy Western States or no. to, to take in the experience. Right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah. it, it, it's really impressive to see that kind of thing, but yeah. that doesn't take away from the rest of the event where no. you've got someone who's dreamed of being, doing the race for 10 years, finally gets in mm -hmm. and has the full enjoyment of it. Right. So if anything, to me, especially because I love the competition element of it, that adds to it to have more competition at the front and have guys who are willing to take those kind of risks. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think for me personally, I think it's more the heart of the sport is still is still there. Right. You know, and I think that's going to remain. But I do think that, you know, we are seeing a lot of young people, a lot of young fast guys and girls coming mm -hmm. into the sport and really just checking it out. And, you know, their longevity in the sport is going to be different from, from say, ours. Right. Because our perspective is so different because right. we basically have been there from the beginning and have right. grown with it. Mm -hmm. And I think um, have learned how to stay in it for right. a longer period of time. Whereas I think those young athletes are going to fizzle out and then go away and then we'll just kind of see some new blood come It'll in It'll be again. like a natural selection, right? Exactly. The, the people that really are genuine about exactly. it are probably going to stay. Right, right. And I think, you know, of course the sport's going to grow and it's right. going to, you know, it's, it's becoming Evolve more expensive. More. Exactly. And, you know, we're, we're seeing that. Mm -hmm. um, that's not going to change. But um, I think those people who are passionate about it are going to continue to be in it for the right reasons. Okay. And I think it's those people that are going to help it 
remain somewhat true to the root of it. Right. Do you know what I mean? Plus the space for loads of different types of races. So right. just because you get maybe a big prize money race, it doesn't mean there aren't still all these low-key events. So right. mm -hmm. <coughs> for an individual so who fun. loves the really smaller, like right. 100 people doing a race and, right. and everyone knows each other's name, mm -hmm. yep. that's always going to be there. Yes. Yeah. That's not going to go away. Exactly. Mm -hmm. But there'll be also be some races that are bigger. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, let me, I'm going to ask you both this question because it's interesting because you've been doing it for a while. How do you keep the love for what you do mm -hmm. because that burnout factor we talk about I mean whether you're you know coaching or running or you got a family or, or occupation or whatever it is how do you keep the love for it and the second part of it how do you stay injury free like what kind of advice do you have for those things like someone that's coming in is like don't get burnout don't mm -hmm. you know get these sponsors or whatever how do you keep that love for it but also keep it so you can keep running and not yeah. be on the you know on the shelf for a while yeah so I think for me um, you really just have to check what what it is that has you in it mm -hmm. you know so if it's just to say that you've done this race to finish it to get the buckle or you know say you can brag to your friends that you've done this event right um, again generally speaking those are the people that aren't going to stay in the sport for a long period of time so you really right. have to kind of check what is it about it that you know, keeps you in it. And mm -hmm. for me, it's, it's because I truly love the sport. I love being outdoors. I love right. being on trails. I love experiencing new landscape, you know, right. um, the culture it's, um, you know, I've, I've made some incredible friends right. and I think I, that's what's kept me in it. You know, I like that. It's not glamorous, you know, that I get all dirty. Wait a minute. At the end of this a race. podcast is not glamorous. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. Oh. Yeah. This is the glamour, right? But, it know, is right like here. A, at the end of 100, you're just, you're, you're gross. Wrecked. You know, oh. you're trashed and you just, you know, yeah. you've got somebody there taking a photo of you and like, you know, putting it out on Facebook and all these yeah. other social media outlets. <laughs> and it's, it's hilarious because it's, it's, it's real. Right. It's a real sport. It tests your mental strength. It tests your physical strength. And right. so it strips you raw. I love that. And I, exactly. It peels back all of your layers. And right. so I think that if that's for you and if that's what you want out of a sport, awesome. Then you're in it for the right reasons. Right. And, um, and then your second question Just about was, being oh, injury. I mean, it's yeah, such a how big to stay injury free. component. So, you know, it goes back to what Ian was saying. It's, it's balance. It's, mm -hmm. it's basically being able to determine what is your body capable of doing? Right. It's, it's how do you move and what right. can you do to care for yourself? You know, it's, it's not overdoing it. Right. It's maintaining balance. It's, you know, doing all the other things you're supposed to do. Sleep, eat right. well. I um, think we can maybe set up another podcast for another day and go more in depth on this. Yeah. It's cause yeah. it's cause you do, you get people, you know, Ian mentioned earlier, if he's not feeling it, he why am I doing it? But you see, exactly. you do see a lot of people say, no, this is an 80 mile week. I'm at it. mile 70. It, I'm exactly. crushed, but and I got 10 miles Exactly. Today. And they push themselves beyond their limits. And, and yet it's like, really, you're going to, you're going to risk roll the dice yeah, and right. potentially injure yourself so that you can't come back and, race again. Right. Although yeah, the difficulty really with ultras is it's, it's basically the entire definition of the sport is about pushing your limits. Yeah. Right. So knowing yeah. what is a sensible pushing of the limits exactly. and what is going to break you. Yes. Part of what we're doing is to try and find that out. But right. you, there has to be at least a little margin of error there so that you don't um, just keep destroying yourself again and again and keep getting injured. And regular injuries is a clear sign that you're doing something a bit wrong there. Right. Right. Yes, exactly. Well, and that's like we see, you know, you know, Ian brought a great point up when you see somebody coming in and maybe getting uh, overwhelmed by their success early on. And exuberant. Yeah, and they get some sponsorships right. or, okay, now we want you to go run this race right. and this race and this race. But like, well, I'm going to go this one because it's my favorite race. Right. And so they're just packing so much in mm -hmm. that ultimately it's 
almost their demise, right? Exactly. And and, and the burnout is both physical and mental. I mean, there's two separate things there that you can burn out from just your body just giving up and it's done too much, or you can just have had to do so many races and put so much effort in that you just don't have the desire to keep doing it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's uh, well, one way to avoid that is to pick races that you do genuinely care about. Right. Mm-hmm. And that can be difficult because some of the big prize money races or the big prestigious ones, people will do for that reason alone. Yeah. Right. And they don't even necessarily care about any other aspects like, is it pretty? Is it an right. interesting <laughs> race in other ways? Mm-hmm. And sometimes you've got to have that aspect there too. Okay. But um, I, I find that particularly for a 100 miler, no one can ever do well in the 100 unless it's something they really care about. Right. If you've picked a 100 miler because you think you should do it or your sponsor mm-hmm. wants you to do it, you're probably not going to be able to get your best performance and, and odds are you may not even finish. Right. Because at that point, at maybe mile 80, when you're asking yourself, why do you want to keep pushing? Because you're mm-hmm. suffering and right. things hurt and there's still a lot more suffering ahead. Right. You have to have really good motivations and good reasons why you want to keep going. Mm-hmm. And if it's just because someone else told you to go there mm-hmm. or you think you should be there, right. you're going to very quickly find reasons to drop out or to slow down. So okay. that from the mental burnout, you've got to be interested in the races and care about them. Right. But also realize when you've done enough of them that, that you just don't have the mental energy to keep going. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I, whenever I have uh, kind of the end of the season, it's not so much my legs and my body that's worn down. It's more just the effort of again and again and again mm-hmm. pushing myself and right. not giving up. That's what's exhausting. So it's like and holistically, you're just Yeah, you're it's, just, yeah. It, it's, it's everything about right. the entire mm-hmm. body and, right. and mind combined. But uh, I would say that the weakest link with most things is still the mind there. Yeah. And that uh, if, you, if you feel like you've really tried hard in a lot of races, the next one, it can be very difficult to want to, to go deep and, and really push to your limit again because you've done it so many times. Right, you've gone to the you well too Maybe you've times. used up your, your, your reasons for that year. Right. Hmm. So mm-hmm. uh, just a quick, I mean, especially for Bree. So we're, we're here in Utah. We train here and we have, we call it an off season. Okay. We so we, yeah, man, we, <laughs> winter time, we don't pound it out nearly as much. We go to the gym, right? So we, yeah, I guess. I it's, don't know. It's, 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 it's kinda, changed. It's changed, but you, you, you ramp. Say a lot of people have these big races through the summer or the fall, and you take some time off. Mm-hmm. You know, because we talked about. That's used to be, right? You need your body to heal. But with all the races coming up early season, but some places it's just not as possible to train hard for the Hurt 100 in January, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, right. so for example, so where you're at, mm-hmm. you know, it's California, oh, yeah. you, awesome. got, you know, it's yeah. like year round. Yeah. Do you do, do like a, like a, segment where it's kind of a downtime cycle through a downtime yeah so after generally after october november i start to you know shut it down so unless i'm going to do the north face or something but typically it's yeah eight weeks of just downtime it's not that i stop running it's just that i don't have any events on the calendar and there's no structure it's just okay today i feel like running so i'm gonna go run you know just five miles eight miles yeah exactly just space out spending some time with friends and just exactly just doing a lot more leisure and and that's why i bring it up is no matter where you're at but you have that if you go too intense for Mm -hmm. too long Mm -hmm. as ian was talking about you kind of maybe start to lose that mental or your burnout and i know Utah, and I'll say it again, is like in the wintertime, that's kind of our, our time to kind of get chubby, right, right? and kind of slow down a little bit. Yeah. Um, do, you, do you think that's <laughs> important for people to have Definitely. that, that oh, block? Yeah. To, yeah, to yeah, maybe it's eight weeks of just... I, I think yeah. Scott Jurek actually chubby? used that phrase. Yeah, what's that? Yeah. What's, he, he, what's that? Is it important for people to get chubby? Is that no, I didn't say said? important to get chubby, but oh. take, take <laughs> that block. But, but Scott Jurek used to say that he'd have his, uh, his downtime like, yeah. to, to get a little bit fat. Like yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. Because he wouldn't be training as much. He'd be a bit more relaxed about diet. And, 
And I, I think that's important. And again, that's not just for the body to get a rest, but for your mind to have a rest. Because mm -hmm. it, yeah. it's tough to keep training and to keep getting yes. out the door every day, even those days you don't want to. Right. Uh, I think some people who, who mm -hmm. don't run have this image that runners must just love every part <laughs> yes. of every run always. <laughs> right. And we're insane. Yeah. And we're not. We don't love every little bit of it. Right. And, you know, any sport, there's going to be times where it's tough to, to motivate yourself. Right. Um, and that's why having a bit of downtime is good to reset things for next year mm -hmm. so that you're, you're ready and willing and and, uh, and you kind of regain that desire to, to, mm -hmm. to be your best. Well, and sometimes you see that even people with injury, right? Mm -hmm. So they, yeah. they can't run and they go crazy. And so when they get that back out on the trail, it's like they're reinvented, re rejuvenated mm -hmm. a little bit mm -hmm. more. But that, that's the thing is with all the intensity, all the races that go year round, your, your block doesn't have to be at the same time every year because it could be race-based, right? right? Or exactly. it's a hurt in January or TNF in December mm -hmm. or, mm -hmm. you know, something earlier later. I mean, you kind of base it around that. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, as far as the chubby in the winter, I, I'm still working <laughs> my 2012 winter weight off right now, right? So, I mean, I'm fused behind. But, but, you know, it's still coming, right? 2012. <laughs> Wait, so it's a, a good tactic if you hibernate as well. Yeah, that was a yeah, bad winter. That was a bad holidays. winter. That was, yeah. a, that was a lot of snow and really cold. Christmas, yeah, you know, those other holidays. Yeah. <laughs> well, and that's natural, per, you know, for a lot of people. Is I think is that winter holiday. It's a, it's right. back to back, yes, and exactly. you know, let's back. enjoy it. Right? Sure. Back to that's your back, back to backs. Back to back to back holiday. <laughs> that's right, right, <laughs> right. So, but so far as the coaching goes, I mean, we we put links on our, our website yep. and stuff. So, mm -hmm. you know, if they want to get information, I know, like, say you're you're booked full or something. But I mean, they could still talk, and maybe you got sure. an you opening in January yeah, or sure. something yeah, like definitely. that. There'll always be openings coming up in the right. near future, if not yes. immediate. Right. And yeah. so you do do you do more. And I'm going to say that because the people out there, so you, you can structure based on a race too. Like, mm -hmm. you know, if you have experience yes. running, you know, Tahoe, yeah. hey, I want to mm -hmm. run Tahoe. And hey, wait, wait a minute. She's done it how many times? So she's got that, right. she knows that intimate course. experience. She knows how to train you know, for stuff it. Stuff like that. Or you can just help them get through their local, right. you know, 50K that you haven't run, but you have that experience as well. So it's kind of across the board, right? Exactly. Yes. And that's one yep. of the nice things actually about purposefully getting some variety over the, the decade that I've been running is. Each and every different thing I do, like a road race versus a, a trail race or a mountain race or a desert race or a jungle race, it's just increasing the, the knowledge and right. they, they overlap and it can be, okay, I learned this thing from the mm -hmm. extreme heat training of, of seeing people at bad water where I've paced a few times that I can then apply to Western States training or mm -hmm. another hot weather race and across a lot of the country, that's several months a year that people just can't avoid hot weather races. Right. So. Mm -hmm. Uh, that's one of the nice things about it. I, I can think of it as research when I do a race. Yeah, here you go. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, that's a good way to yeah. spend That's a nice beta. tax write off, too, yeah. right? Yeah. Totally, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I think that we have two future podcasts. Yeah, for sure. You know, we, I'd like to talk to Ian more about coaching, you know, try to get in some nuts and bolts. I mean, we just can't do it right now just because of the format. Talk to Bree about nutrition. That type of thing. That's right, a just talked about element. her philosophy. That's a huge Because I think it's it. important to sure. get more philosophies, you know, out there. Both of them still have a really good story that we need to drill down on. Too. Yeah, we haven't really touched you guys as racing, which yeah. you know, yeah. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy sauce, right? Yeah. So <laughs> let's uh, let's ask them a couple quick questions right. and then wrap it up and move on to the next two victims. All right, let's do it. All right. So if there's been a movie made about your life, Ian, who is going to play you? What actor will play you? That's a tough one. I have a suggestion, I don't know. but I want to hear yours. Uh, I, I can't even think who it would be. Tom Cruise. 
Why are you talking? <laughs> are you saying I'm short? Yes. <laughs> Joel's I, calling someone short. I have the same problem. <laughs> I'm short. Short and, and a lot older than I am. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, yeah. Like Tom Cruise. He's about I'm sure. I'm sure that. I should be flattered though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can see that actually? Yeah, that makes total sense to me. Yeah. Okay. Tom see. Cruise. Thank you very mm-hmm. much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, you like that part. Okay. Right? You get to skip that question then. I, good, good. I got one for so brief for for you. Um, if there was, you've had your your experience, your your injury, and everything else. So a, a movie's made of your life, right? What's it called? Not who plays oh. you. I want to know What's the name oh, of. There's the actually time. a short film that just came out called oh. Beyond Motivation. Oh. So, I would say Beyond Motivation. Beyond Motivation. Yes. That's pretty good. It was good. actually just released. Fourteen-year-old Jack Mirnan uh, is a young documentarian, and he just we actually just premiered it before uh, wow. the U.S. film uh, premiere of Mira in the Bay Area right. uh, last weekend. Okay. So, yeah. All right. So a question for both of you, and you cannot dwell on this. What is your guilty pleasure on your iPod? Music. Uh, I've got a Taylor Swift song on there. Oh, yes. Yours. <laughs> Go. Eminem, not afraid. Oh, nice. That's on mine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to lie. What's funny, what's funny is you I'll said that, that Brian Powell said the same thing over. earlier. He goes, oh, yeah, Taylor Swift. Well, I think everyone with the last album, we all said, I don't want to like it if I do. Yeah, exactly. Well, there's like right. three songs that are really solid. Yeah. And I've got yeah, daughters, so it's easy to say yeah, so that. It's that's your fault. excuse? Uh, they listen to it all yeah. the time. Okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Even yeah, when they're not home, they're well. listening to it. All right. right? So do you drink beer? Yes. Top Top two beers. Uh, Crux Double Cross. So it's a, a Ben brewery that right. doesn't really distribute outside of there. All right. And uh, I really like um, Lef beer from uh, from Belgium. Okay. L e f f e. All right. Vegetables or fruit? Oh gosh, that's a good question. Vegetables. My good. favorite vegetables. Top two. Oh, um, broccoli and Brussels sprouts. Ooh, oh, Brussels, Brussels, Brussels sprouts. sprout guy all the Grilled way. Real Brussels yes. sprouts are the best. Yeah. Well, I have, I have one for both of you. I'll give you some okay. time. What is your favorite Ultra Spire pack belt? What's your product and why? Uh, mine is the Revolt, I have to oh. say. I love that. Yeah? Yes. Why? Yes. She's flexible enough. She can get that arm back there. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. I have these long arms. Yeah. Um, you know, it's a nice minimalist vest, and um, I, like, I like to go light. I like to, to breathe. Right. And um, it's, yeah, it's a, it's a good product. It, it's user-friendly. So how do you utilize it? Because you get you get the bottle in the back. Yeah. Right? right. Do you do anything up front, liquid wise? I mean, how do you utilize all the, the space for you? Yeah, exactly. So I use the, the flask. The, the ultra flask. Yeah, the ultra fla- yeah. flask. Um, so yeah, I just how do I utilize it? I just, yeah, I, mean, I just put, put it put on f- and I put the, the fill the flask and it goes into its <laughs> slot. I see. And I, I see this. <laughs> Thank you very much. And well, <laughs> no, the reason I say this is now, some now people get a product. Folks, you, I wish you could have been here to see that look she gave him. <laughs> yeah, she's like you that. big dummy. Like, how do I, I use that? Understand. Of course, I just run in it. Well, no, I mean, there's people that get a product and yeah. they use it for. Hey, it's got one water bottle in the right. back, but people are starting to go to the water bottle in the front. Some right. don't like it. And I was yeah. telling, I was telling Bryce just yesterday or today that we ran into somebody on a training run, mm-hmm. and they had the, I think it was the Alpha. Oh yeah. And we yeah. had it on, and we were talking to him about it. We didn't know who they were. We were just kind of chit chat. And they didn't know they had the the pocket for the pill. They had yeah. no clue. So I'm no like, oh, I love this it. part. And they're like, oh, I didn't know that was there. What's it for? <laughs> oh. And so that's why I say, how do you utilize? Because oh, some people right. don't know all the things you can do, yeah. you know, with a gel here, a flask in the front. I mean, it's kind of a newer thing. And then with the new bottle with the straw. Okay. So yeah, that's, um, what, that's yeah. what I'm talking We're, about. I'm trying on that one. Yeah. Bryce. Yeah, I'm going to try that. I haven't bottle tried with that the straw. straw. Come on. I haven't yeah. tried that yet. So, okay. So you got the revolt. Yes. Okay. Now, what... 
for distances, do you use that for all distances? Do you just take it on a longer run for you? Yeah, well, I'll, I'll take it, use it for longer runs, but actually I usually go between two. Uh, so I usually go between the vest and then a handheld for, say, a 100-mile race. Okay. okay. You know, so maybe I'll start with a vest, and then I transition to a handheld. Oh. And then sometimes I might actually go back to a vest, right? which sounds complicated, but it, it works for me. You know, I have, I have crew at my races, and okay. so it's, it's, it's real easy. You know, so one of the things that I like about my experience as a triathlete is that I learned to transition really quickly. Oh, yeah. And so I've taken that experience and have, you know, crossed that over into ultra racing. Right. So it, it's so when I see my crew, it's like quick transition. I'm in and out. They have everything ready and mm -hmm. there's no there's no delay. Okay. okay. So, so, Ian, yeah. your turn. I tend to mainly use handhelds, so okay. I love the isomeric handhelds, and I'll usually run with one in each hand. Right. And I love the fact it's got the versatility. Of, well, firstly, it just all works; doesn't leak. It's all simple, and right. that's the main thing that you mm -hmm. need in especially a long race. But what I'll tend to do is, if it's a hot race, I'll have one of them that's full of ice and then topped up with water, and one of them with some kind of energy drink. Right. And then I can be pouring water on my head. So oh, that's okay. why I tend to like that, particularly for things like Western States, right. compared to a, a, a hydration pack. But I think the most unique thing that it because the handhelds are on the market from a lot of, of manufacturers, obviously, is the uh, Lumen 600. Oh. So the waist belt oh. with oh. the really strong light, yeah. Yeah. which is so much more convenient and so much more, uh, so much easier to see stuff right. than having a, a headlamp. So we've been talking about the Lumen 600 a lot. A lot. <laughs> so we, was really nice and sent us one to test last fall, and Eric was using it, right? And we come running down the trail, and some girl stops, because what is that? And Eric's like... Well, this is the new Lumen 600, <laughs> and he's pointing like this, and she's like all down there checking it out. And I'm like, Eric, that's probably not the best way to demonstrate the light. And But she was into it, right? But it is a great product. It's, it's yeah. comfortable, and it, it's yeah. more the fact it gives me better vision in right. at night. Unless so if, that's if, if you don't thing. have a headlamp on, you know, you turn your head, mm -hmm. it, it can be a little frightening, right? If you're looking up in the woods for that animal, and your, your light's here and your head is here. <laughs> I right. did that the first run. Yeah. I took the lumen on my very first run. Didn't take a headlamp. Oh, we're going to try this. I started running, and me and Joel run at 5 a.m. Something moved in the dark, and I turned my head, and it was still dark. Yeah. <laughs> it took me a minute. I had to swivel my whole body yeah. around. You know? So there's a little tip. Make yeah. sure you swivel in, uh, in context, I was doing a, a road relay race over the weekend, and uh, I had a headlamp on, but normally I'd have a headlamp with a hat. And right. that stops it slipping down. Mm -hmm. And when you're doing road racing, you're going pretty hard. And so yeah. it, it started bouncing on my nose. And uh, so I took it off and started holding it in my hand as I was running, like, all out. Right. And then I wanted to try and put it on my head. I accidentally put it on backwards and blinded myself. Oh. <laughs> I was thinking this would have been so much easier with the lumen. It, it, just, yeah, it wouldn't right. have got in the way, and it would have been exactly as I needed it. Exactly. And we can't say enough good things about that. Oh, we, we'll keep talking about it. Until the end of times, <laughs> yeah. easily. Yeah. Well, I think this has been a really fun. Yeah. I, I hope that you guys have enjoyed it. Um, like I said, we, we definitely want to get you back on individually so we can really get into those topics that we think that would be, I think, a real big value to our listeners. Yeah. And we'll put some links on our website so yep. you can go ahead and take a look at their websites or yep. services. Yep. If you're looking for something, really consider it. Get a hold of them. Yep. Talk to them. See if it's going to work for you. But there's exactly. a lot of experience. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, this is the first time we've met them, right? Right. Tonight, we walked in the door. Exactly. Super friendly. They are. Make us feel welcome, so uh -huh. thank you for that. <laughs> Thanks, guys. So don't be intimidated. Yeah. <laughs> thank you for listening to the Trail Manners Podcast. We'd like to thank Bryce, Melanie, Tina, Blair, and everybody at Ultra Spire for inviting us to their outdoor retailer show home here to talk with their athletes. We'd really like to thank Bree Lambert and Ian Sharman 
for joining us. What a couple of amazing people. Thank you again for being on our show. We also want to encourage everybody to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Trail Manners or swing by our website at trailmanners.com. There, you can find some of that Trail Manners gear you've been seeing on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Or you can hit us up on the contact page. Let us know what you want to see, who you want to hear, or if you'd like to be on our show. So until next time, this is Eric Manning with Joel Hatch reminding you, you don't get what you wish for, you get what you work for. Now go get it.